0: Brothers and sisters, welcome back to the XX Mormon Podcast. We are delighted to have you join us once again for part three uh, in our in our congregation. I know normally we do Sunday school elders' quorum, Sunday school elders' quorum, Sunday school elders' quorum, and I guess the Relief Society does some stuff too. Um, but uh, but we're switching it up. We're, we've got a big three parter here. This is part three with Sister, the wife of the brother of Jared. Um, Just a fantastic guest. The first time we've done a three-parter. The first two are really um, Sister the Wife of the Brother of Jared's story. Uh, But this one is going to be decolonizing after Mormonism because I think it's something that, um, I mean, it's a big thing that people talk about and it's something that's deeply misunderstood. Um, So, yeah. And of course, sorry, I can't forget to mention uh, Bishop is up on the stand here with us. And then, of course, we have Sister, the wife of the brother of Jared, with us as well. And every time that I say that, I see you like matching it in your head, being like, "Did we get that right? Is that did, <laughs> did Ellie Jackson get do that the right?
1: Chain of relation correct here?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we're we're here with Sister, our friend, the wife of the brother of Jared. Um, we're going to just make it excessively long every time. Each time, it's going to get longer. Um, true Book of Mormon <laughs> <laughs> but could you imagine if they did that in the Book of Mormon every time they introduced a new character who was the son of Alma, Alma the younger, who was the son of Alma, who was descended from? Hey,
1: that's the first chapter of the Book of Ether. Yes, that oh, is. Oh no, yeah, that's true. It is just You're a genealogy. It. Yeah, way that's to go, true. buddy.
0: That's true. That's, that
2: is that is but how it take is. Take the
1: boy out of Mormonism, but you can't take the Mormon <laughs> out of
2: the
0: boy. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? That is that is a real thing because <laughs> that's a real um, problem <laughs> I you know there are a lot of people who leave the church who continue to identify almost ethnically as Mormon because like that's a big part of their cultural identity Um, because they're born and raised in Utah their family moved from the UK to come to Utah they cross right that's like part of their cultural identity and it's hard to remove and even then with me having convert parents I still feel like uh, I, I still feel pretty culturally Mormon, which I think ties in well with our col- uh, conversation about decolonizing um, today. So do you mind? I think we just like,
1: yeah, like when you say decolonizing, it's kind of like what you mean is learning to be less of a dickhead after the <laughs> like just for <laughs> your kind of well, Joe Blow six pack regular oh, guy <laughs> who's just making his way in the world. He doesn't understand what he's like decolonized, but we haven't been a colony for hundreds of years. Well, yeah, what the and, hell is this guy yeah. talking about, right?
0: I, I, I think Learning we, how to not be mean. We, we need to get into like, what, <laughs> like, what is decolonizing? What does that mean? Cause as, as a white person, uh, when I first heard that, you know, um, the, the like whole, they want me to like leave. They want me to move back to England. Like, how am I supposed to do that? So do you mind? Um, I know, People probably get tired of being the educator, but uh, we need to be educated. Uh, Do you mind telling us, like, what is decolonizing? What is this idea?
2: Not at all. I don't mind at all. So I used to teach, you know, for Sunday school. So we're just, I got this. Um, So basically decolonizing means that there was a a singular culture because it was not universal that perpetuated their cultural norms and ultimately things straight up just from their imagination, mm-hmm. and pushed it on everyone else as a reality. So, it colonization. So, you can think of anything from the colonial period, um, which was pretty much just birthed from the oppressive systems in Europe that were monarchies. Mm-hmm. So um so colonization it's not limited to europe as well because there are other empires that enact the same behavior Um, but that is who has colonized pretty pretty much this this place that we live in and western culture um so when you decolonize you think about different constructs and you have to accept them as constructs and not as reality Mm -hmm. so one of those like constructs that isn't reality is the way that we measure time Mm -hmm. there isn't a big clock out in space we use clocks. We use 12 hours. We use 60, 60 seconds in a minute. We use That is a construct. Mm-hmm. And we all follow it. Framing stories with a beginning, a middle, and an end is not how all stories exist. That is a construct. So a lot of indigenous people, myself included, we kind of talk in a circle. And our stories are like that. Mm-hmm. Our Native American stories, the end kind of is the title. Mm-hmm. Why does the wolf howl at the moon? Well, at the end, you're going to find out. <laughs> but right. that's the, there isn't. Um, and so not all Native people talk like that, but everyone I've ever met, um, self-included. And so having things have, you know, the way that we write paragraphs, the way that we write essays in school is from a Eurocentric colonist colonist point of view so this is like that with a million concepts uh, race is a social construct based on phenotype the way that you look where before racism existed people hated each other because of their ethnicity their religion where they were from a language they spoke um, but in order to justify the oppression of indigenous people and black people and people during the african dis- dysphoria as well as roma people um from you know west india being diasporic throughout and indigenous people being you know all the horrible things happen to us all of the world uh racism became created to justify what was happening so it's based off of phenotype. so it doesn't mean that race doesn't exist because it does we deal with the consequences every day but when we really think about it it is a construct and it even goes further to know it's a hot topic but a gender binary is a construct even binaries are Several binaries within the English or Latin based language are constructs. So, for example, like especially with Mormons and Christians in general, you have like this heaven or this hell, this good or this bad. Mm -hmm. And everything has these intense opposites on one end of the spectrum. And we ignore the fact that there is a spectrum. We just go to the, like, (laughs) point A, point B. That's it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not reality. That doesn't happen in nature. It doesn't even happen with people's bodies. Like, even to say something like, there's only two sexes. Like, well, uh, yes and no. There's even people who are, you know, born on on that sexual spectrum. So why wouldn't things like gender be a spectrum? Why wouldn't things like race be a spectrum? Because you have people who... You know, they can be born to two two white parents, but they're darker complected. Mm-hmm. And so they might not even be identifiably white. And more often than that, the the reverse happens. You have two indigenous parents and they have a kid with colored eyes. And it's like, oh, how did that happen? Well, that's because race is a race is made up. <laughs> we, right. And we just live with these. it, it goes further, you know, um, the way that we value money as a society is a colonial construct. The way yeah. that we value extrovertedness over introvertedness is a social construct and the fact that we have those two polarities right of extrovert and introvert or this it's right. so many constructs and colonization is everywhere and picking it apart um you know, beauty standards are completely a social construct in every way. They're mm-hmm. not, they're like not real. <laughs> um, they're completely based off of opinion. And we forget that because part of colonization is conformity mm-hmm. um, because it's easier to control people if they're all trying to be the same, which is really like the whoever's in charge. Right. a super long explanation, um, but everybody, everybody's working on, on doing this and people are trying to reconnect with their cultures that exist before colonialism i think everyone should do that yeah um no matter where your ancestors are from and we are all victims of colonization (laughs) we all suffer because of this it has helped no one except for maybe like five people like it's just not we gotta get rid of it it's not great
0: right and i so basically the the first step to decolonizing is is realizing and accepting that it's all made up right like we count by tens. We could count by twelves. The the Maya counted by twenties. Um, you know, uh, the reason we have 60 minutes is because they used like a base 60 system, you know, when they created how we tell time. It was like in Mesopotamia or whatever. So it's initially this acceptance that like, it's all made up. Like it's all, it's, it's all pretend. And um, I mean, with the, with the binaries, you get that in Latin languages, where there's like feminine things and masculine things, like words, right? Like in French, Apple is feminine. There's no like there's not a great reason. Um <laughs> and then and then uh with every new word they have to come up with, is it masculine or feminine? And there's like this big divide with COVID. They're like, is it le Covid or la Covid? Oh, we don't you know? And and there was like this whole big thing in the french language like do you say le or la like we well, we don't know is is covid masculine or or feminine so it's this uh initial acceptance that things are fictional or that like we we create concepts and we put things in boxes to try and make sense of the world basically right Word. yes right. got it bishop you look <laughs> like, well, like you have a question so okay so
1: like what's the advantage of this
2: the advantage because... of decolonization
1: Because we've got we've got hang on, hang on, because I have to (laughs) provide an alternative (laughs) viewpoint here, because and and if I can be frank with you guys, this is just me as an outsider is that the way sometimes it's spoken about, not talking about you guys in particular, is that this has almost become a religion in and of itself. I was like I was reading I was reading an article on feminism and it was explaining to me that feminine feminism is good because feminism is good. And that is how religion describes itself. Religion is good because religion is good. It didn't really go through anything to support why it was good. It just says it's good and it makes people's lives better, just like the church. And I felt like I was reading an LDS publication. And so when when things start getting treated as an absolute good and absolute right, it has become a religion, in my, my opinion, right? So I just say, yes, colonization was bad. Yes, colonization hurt generations of people but where we are today we have this shared construct in reality that we all use and if we all if somebody starts counting in base 10 and somebody starts counting in base 12 and we're all counting whatever bases we want to count in we're all measuring time somebody's switched to the metric clock and somebody's running off of you know still going off base 60 you get this confused world that can't function because everybody's well this is my perception of reality and i've traced my lineage back to the Picts who were oppressed by the Scots who are oppressed by so-and-so. But now I'm going back to living the Pictish way of life. And, and that is what you have to respect me as, because that is how far I've traced my lineage and, and dissected and deconstructed everything. So, so when we're talking about deconstructing and tearing the shared reality apart, is there an advantage to deconstructing the shared reality? Are there any downsides to tearing apart the shared reality?
2: Yes. It's okay if I speak to this. Are you, are you? I want you or to. Or, yeah. I want you, you actually, to. That I don't I don't want to interrupt the other person. That's an excellent question. So I think you did something really great, which you acknowledge that seeing things as all good or all bad is in itself a colonistic viewpoint, is in itself a binary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the advantage to deconstructing And like you pointed out, like, should we deconstruct the concept of time as we measure it? Like, well, that seems like a pretty steep one, Um, but that's just an example I use because it's something that like purely is from imagination Um, with no evidence behind it. They just came to it. The the benefits of deconstructing and decolonizing is that it opens room for tolerance, acceptance, and affirmation of people that do not fit into the boxes defined by colonization. Hmm. So, For example, in a colonized world, we really value work, people who do labor. And if you're unable to work, uh, you have no value. And the people that can't work really do feel that. People get depressed because they don't feel productive. But if we had a less strict construct about what does productivity even mean and cared more about inherent human value or inherent value of life, then people would feel less Let's pressure. So, for example, with something that has caused a lot of harm is this concept of um, the, the current construct of gender that we have, which is, two, uh men feel very bad if they exhibit feminine features mm-hmm. and they they feel like they're in a rigid box um, and vice versa. If a woman exhibits masculinity or whatever, they feel she feels um limited so mm-hmm. with the value of deconstructing is really just becoming more open more accepting more freeing less judgy because the judgment that we have that exists within colonization is definitely that binary good bad that ah, throw the devil or though jesus and it's so one way or the other so we we really categorize everything and so I see the benefits of deconstructing is acknowledging that even if we function off of a certain construct, like time, the fact that we have 60 seconds in a minute, um, we can at least acknowledge that, like, you know, this was someone's imagination. <laughs> like, and so maybe not taking things so seriously um, and, like, that's my that's like that's kind of my concern with with colonization and perpetuating it hmm. is that people do. They literally give their lives for concepts that have no bait, like, ah, it's an imagination. Um, so with deconstructing, um, and if you go all the way, you know that far back to the people, that, that group of people that were affre- oppressed by the Scots, maybe you can connect with that and you can you can vibe with that, um, but also adapt it into a modern lens, which is something that Indigenous people have had to do like this whole time. Um, but now, like Indigenous people in the United States, we couldn't practice our religion until 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, so. We're starting to be free from like forced colonization. So yeah. hopefully kind of answers your question. But basically the the plus to it to it is less rigidity. And we can kind of look at like the harm that colonization has done. And so mm-hmm. the plus with deconstructing it is like, oh, these things can stop being perpetuated. So a really good example of what a, a decolonized or mostly decolonized or deconstructed world would look like. It's kind of funny. So we'll just kind of have a little chuckle, but mm-hmm. it still has coloni- colonistic elements. Cause everybody has seen star Wars, right? Raise your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, what, yeah. what is it? Sustain, sustain, sustain. <laughs> yes. I'll have lost in star Wars yeah, in, the sure, star War- <laughs> in the star Wars universe. There is prejudice and there is hate based on people, based on they are not people with like the life forms mm-hmm. based on where they're from based on their belief, you know, if they're part of the Jedi religion or if they're part of the Mandalorian Creed or there's prejudice and there's hate. But if you watch the series, nobody is discriminated based on their sex or the gender or their their race. Hmm. That is not what people are discriminated against. You have, you know, Leia Organa, who's like super badass. Nobody puts her down in a sexist or misogynistic way. She's like held in an equal in an equal situation and same with like Lando Carusian isn't called racial slurs right. Star Wars the world you know greed and the evil empire and all those other things which are a little colonisticy still exist but people are not put down and oppressed based on based on those constructs at all right. like that isn't a thing like we just saw the the Obi-Wan episode where like I don't want to ruin it. Never mind. I won't talk about it because yeah. maybe someone hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> but the, the, the sexism that we experience in our world currently does not exist. So you can see an example. It's a fictional world, but it's still heavily influenced by ours that like constructs like sexism and construct like racism. We, we would be fine without them, if that right. makes sense right um so that i hope that answers your question think of that little example whenever you watch star wars <laughs> that it is, no, it is a good. world free from those things
1: that's good i think okay so i see because nobody usually it's it's always heated conversations at least the ones that i see about this that basically fall into the binary that you're talking about so there's never really i've never heard really anybody on either side of the aisle have an open conversation about deconstruction. It's just deconstruction is the end of the world as we know it, or deconstruction. Well, yeah, deconstruction will be the end of the world as we know it. And that's a good thing. Or deconstruction is the end of the world as we know it. And that's a bad thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> instead of like, yeah, there's some things where this is good and some things where this is
0: not, doesn't matter. Right. So, yeah. and my, my thinking with it is, that the reason um the reason it's good the reason that us deconstructing decolonizing like this is good is because there are existing colonial systems that continue to negatively impact real human beings today um is that like a is that a fair assessment because it's like You know, we're all ex-Mormons here, I think, for the most part, uh, as far as listeners go. Um, And so we have this experience of leaving this organization, and we have the experience of this deconstruction post-Mormonism where we're pulling things out of our head and being like, oh, you know, I had to think after I left the church, like, how do I feel about marriage? Because my idea of marriage was based on what was taught to me in this religion that I found out was not true. And so I think if you live in a culture where obviously these colonial ideas, these are the good things, but then you start to realize like, well, are they right? And then you have to try and deconstruct that. Is that like a good analogy to kind of bring those two things together?
2: I think that's a, I think that's a perfect analogy and it's a hundred percent true. And it's like I said in the last one, with like steps to decolonize, I was like stepping away from a colonistic institution is like a great move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, So it can, you can really compare it to, you know, cult deprogramming, I know deprogramming is kind of an outdated term, but like the church and colonization as well, they define certain words that really are not correct definitions. Mm-hmm. Um and so, like, one of the things, and we all kid about it, but it's probably kind of traumatic, is we all equate God, Jesus, spirituality, the gospel, and the church synonymously. Mm-hmm. We all make them one thing. And colonization does, does that, too, with different words and different concepts, like the concept of worth, they colonization tells you it's this. It's like monetary value. It's prod, it's productivity. Mm-hmm. Instead of like a decolonized view would be like worth is inherent and you don't have to do <laughs> you just exist and you have worth. That's wild. Um and so like when I left the church, um, I'm working on decolonizing and redefining those said specific terms. Uh, like spirituality, spirituality can be free from religion. It can be free from God. It doesn't even have to be connected. Um, So colonization is tons of things like that, where you don't have to like throw the baby out with the bath water, but you can like, well, let me redefine, like you can redefine what worth and productivity means to you. You don't have to eliminate the concept of work and productivity. Like that's like an example for your question of like, what's the benefit for the world to be chaos? um, And then one of those things that like as an indigenous person, that we're really advocating for and like the time is nigh, as they say, is we really want to have land back and we want to decolonize um, what has happened to the environment. Like that's a straight up indigenous people for thousands of years were hunting and fishing in a sustainable way. Indigenous people all over the world and every continent were doing that. so that is something that I don't think there's any medium. We just gotta get rid of that one. Like we just gotta let go of that. Like that's the the damage is too bad. Um, but like the church just a church is just a really freaking good example of colonization. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. It 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 told indigenous people, myself included, what my heritage was. Yeah. Tried to erase erase the present, erase what currently is and say, no, this is it. Your ancestor's language is reformed Egyptian. It's not. (laughs) Yeah, Chalaki is not. It is not like, or, you know, the the words that we say, like it isn't. Um, So you have to kind of stand up to colonization like that too. I hope that makes sense. Like, um, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's, it's it's like waking up out of a cult, man. Everything I thought was (laughs) a lie. Yeah.
1: Well, um, so, I'm gonna sidetrack a little bit, but it, it'll be relevant here is that like I've been watching Under the Banner of Heaven. Word and yes. I watched Big Love and um and I watched uh the other one about building the railroad where they interact with Mormons at the end. Hell, hell oh, on wheels. Hell on Wheels. And there's this thing about Mormons that I think the media really, really screws up depicting Mormons is that they don't ever depict them as these like dough headed naive, Dudley do rights which they all are. Like they are Mormons by and large are some of the sweetest and most ignorant people you will ever meet in your whole life. Right? And mm-hmm. and every every time they're depicted in media it's like this very serious stoic religious people. I'm like, I don't know a Mormon like that. They're yeah. all just dumb as fuck. And,
2: <laughs> what the blasphemy. Uh,
1: but they're they're Mormonism's a religion of doers. Mm-hmm. It's a very pragmatic doer religion. It favors doers. It doesn't favor thinkers. If you're pensive, if you're thoughtful, if you're introverted, it doesn't work for you. But if you're like, I'm all about getting out there, doing my home teaching, being a big man, doing all this stuff, being out in the public, bringing more people to church, the church rewards you for that, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have a lot of pensive thinkers in the church. The people who hang around tend to be kind of dough-headed, naive, dudley do rights who are like i'm just trying to be a good american and and serve my country and be faithful to my wife and that's you know i don't really think so you got a lot of if you got people like that coming out of the church what does a dough headed ignorant person do trying to deconstruct some things in in like what's the the, the advice for somebody who's just kind of like i'm an ignorant utah
2: the, re- the recipe and, for success yeah, I got. yeah, Oh, I don't want to get
1: into no, no. That's right. No, that's, yeah. <laughs> you speed. cut me off rightfully. You cut me off <laughs> righteously.
2: Yeah. Of righteously. That. Yeah. Spirit, move me to cut off. Yeah. Um, such a great question. I think it can start with slow and simple um, inhalation and digestion of information coming from the people who are victims of colonization. So there's like several really good books about it. Um, can't think of all of them off the top of my head but if you like go to like a barnes and noble they literally have sections that are like decolonized or like female black authors or like indigenous non-binary authors like you can and there's like literally so the way that i what i would advise a doer like that to do is all that time they spent reading the scriptures every day read one of those books like Mm -hmm. And don't go hardcore like Vine DeLorean is this native author who just like he throws down. Don't get to him yet because it'll it'll be overwhelming for this type of person that you're describing as Vine DeLorean does not play around. Um But he he goes hard about decolonization, specifically for indigenous people. Is see the hate
1: colonizer guy on TikTok?
2: Oh, no. No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Vine DeLoren is a reliable, peer-reviewed, legendary source. Do
1: you know who who I'm talking about? I do know who you're talking about. I have no idea who this person is. He
2: let my whole community down because he is super disrespectful to Native American women. And he throws us all under the... he is he he is he is not the star of the show but um i used to be a fan of his but i follow lots of indigenous women and they've they've got receipts that he's been very disrespectful to them and he got in some hot water with some drama with another TikToker who he did something that was like super misogynistic and then she like sent a mob of angry tiktokers after him and he was it was he was in danger and then other indigenous people that weren't even involved got threatened harassed mostly indigenous women like why do we always have to fall last in these situations <laughs> like us right. and black women we just get thrown under some horrible bus when a native man when a native man does something wrong it's like we suffer i don't understand
1: oh, part of conversation. Right. He, so he just made me uncomfortable because i'm like dude Dude, I'm just a guy. Like I was born, <laughs> and I didn't well, choose. Well, now you know. I didn't He's choose little. the body I was born in, just like how you didn't choose the body you were born in. <laughs> just putting one pants on one leg at a time, trying to get a job, making my way here,
2: making like my way downtown.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> walking past faces, past, and I'm homebound. Home <laughs> <bound>. So <laughs> right. So <laughs> I have I have two things to. To add to this, sorry to ruin your fun karaoke night there, <laughs> but um, the so we're we're talking about um, somebody who who has like a message who that I guess is like a, a, a good message, um, but then there are like all these other things that it's like oh oh like you okay but all these other things are messed up. So what what I hear from that and how I relate to that as uh, somebody who's left Mormonism, is that, okay, congratulations, you left a cult. That doesn't make you like a ascended being. There are other things that you need to think about. There are other ways that you can improve, right? I think a lot of people carry the misogyny that they learn in Mormonism to their ex-Mormon life, right? Um Yeah, like pe- people do that like they they realize the church isn't true but they don't realize that misogyny is bad too right yes well uh, so i i, I can think... you let her talk because she's trying no no no, like no, I just,
2: no 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 the tiktoker <laughs> that he mentioned is an ex-mormon oh, that
0: did, oh really? that does
2: misogynist things yes that's why i was freaking out when you were saying that keep oh, going okay you know, yeah loop loop look at the circle look at lazy river found her way back
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um that is like that that is a thing like once you figure out that it's a cult like you need to continue deconstructing these things it's like we find these um which i hate using the word discover because it's like somebody had to bury these children at these residential schools and so when people say like we discovered these it's like um we uncovered it um, you knew it was there yeah. yeah and so yeah um when when these things come out we have this like reckoning and we're like oh like I guess I guess that was really awful but that doesn't mean you know like you're you're done you need to start thinking of the like deconstruct like why you thought the world that you lived in was fine and how you can maybe how you can make it fine right like I came out of Mormonism with a lot of misogyny and um, like I was taught a lot of racist things and I think my family was pretty liberal so I probably got off pretty easy but like those things were still ingrained in me and leaving i had to pull that apart and and start thinking because yeah growing up i thought that native american people were lamanites like that's that's what i thought that like for real and um and so i i think you have to come out of it and start deconstructing i forget the other thing that i was i was gonna add to your i'll cut you off one thing that's interesting bishop
1: i like as i've deconstructed some sexist views the sexism I learned, I learned from my mother.
0: Hmm.
1: I didn't learn it from my dad. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, and she had an issue with working women. Hmm. And what I'd hear from my mom is that working women would never truly be as happy as women who are staying at home raising their kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and views about a woman's place, I heard about that from my mom, not from my dad. I think probably because my dad was a convert. <laughs> Right. So my dad admired my mom for choosing to stay at home and raise kids. He never put it on her that that was what she had to do. And he never, my dad really never told my mom what her place was or what her job was. Right. So everything that I learned about from what a woman should do is from my mom. Yeah. Who has like pioneer ancestry. And, and she heard a lot of those messages a lot yeah. growing up. Right. Um, so one thing that I'd have to deconstruct is, a, is I enter the working world Becoming a professional is—I'm working with some very, very successful women, and and they're not successful in every case because they act like men. You know, they're successful women who act like "quote unquote" women. I know that's kind of a thing, right? Where like the office bitch, she's only acting like a man because she's navigating a man's world. But I—I I worked with successful women who exhibited feminine qualities, and they use those feminine qualities of kind of being empathetic. And uh, nurturing to their advantage to be incredible leaders within the company. But I'd always have in the back of my mind, you know, it's really great what they've accomplished with professional life. But I mean, think about how their families must be suffering. It's yeah. something that I think to myself every time I'd interact with them, it'd be in the back of my mind somewhere. And just as I interacted with more of them. And, and even some of them getting to know on a personal level, and you see that they're doing just as great a job running their house as what they are running a workplace. Yeah. You know, and, and I think about all the things I've learned at work in terms of dealing with people and navigating conflict and stuff like that, that I bring home. I think that a workplace is a great place just to learn and, and learn about people and social interactions that a woman who works outside of the home is probably going to have, an advantage it's not going to be to her detriment that she works outside of the home yeah but that that's the way i was raised it was only by exposure yeah that i i learned there was a a world outside of the world i was raised in
0: yeah for real and then you have to you have to take that apart and um and and figure out like why do i believe this like why do i i think this and i eventually you come to the realization that you think it because you were told to think it um mm-hmm. which going back to decolonizing specifically, um, when, so my first, um, interaction really, you know, with this idea of decolonizing, um, obviously I'd heard it and it was always, you know, from somebody in the church who was like, they want us to decolonize, like they want us to go home, you know? Um, I no, was, we don't. You know, and <laughs> well, some of Like, yes, yeah, so, some people. Some people might want that, but I'm like, I was born here. Like, I don't have anywhere to go. Like, I'm sorry. Um, I'm all fine to change my ways and change the way I think and change our systems, but like, I,
1: I'm. Yeah, I've got a qu- question for your sister, the brother of Jared, um, or the wife of the brother of the sister. Yeah, of sister, brother of the Jared. brother. <laughs> the, yeah.
2: Whatever. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, so yes. I like I went to an event on Friday. Um, and I guess this is like the cool thing to do in Canada. Now, every time you're hosting an event, you acknowledge that we are on lands that don't belong to us, which were wrongfully taken. And, all. and it's kind of, it's the best part is it's like a Chinese woman saying it. So it's not even like a white colonizer who's making this acknowledgement for white colonization. It's like someone else who's also an oppressed visitor. Um <laughs> <laughs> but it's like this Canadian thing to make a perpetual like public apology for being a white person on land in Canada. I found it just kind of like, this is patronizing and ridiculous and just like nauseating. What is your viewpoint kind of on the white people trying to their white guilt by doing that?
2: Oh, such a good question, Bishop. Um, I you know, it doesn't make me mad. It doesn't grind my gears, but I need these little white savers. God bless them. I need them to put it in writing. I need you to put it in paper. I need you to I need you to to vote for leaders who support land back and to understand land back. So I live in a state that our sovereignty is being under attack. So like this cuckoo kind of governor. Um, One of the things that they think they they fear monger with the concept of land back is like the natives are going to take it back. We're going to kick all y'all off and it's going to be an anarchy. It's going to be mayhem and craziness. Absolutely not. In Mm -hmm. fact, like I live in a state that our reservations are like morphed with our cities and our communities and it just means that our tribal services, it doesn't just mean it's very limited. It means that our tribal services are expanded and it means like it just we're just we're like trying to be sovereign. We don't want to kick out the immigrants that have come that like are cool with that we can vibe with. That's not the problem. Um and the Cherokee Nation specifically did dominate this huge land mass and we had immigrants come and we had a monetary system and we just functioned like better off than the american colonies actually the new newly revolutionized united states so they were like jealous long long story short so when people you know do a whole land acknowledgement i'm not mad at it it's probably a step in the right direction but we as a community i don't want to speak on behalf of all of us it's just little old me and my little experience we like literally hate empty words. Like we're mm-hmm.
1: done with mm-hmm. it. Like
2: the law is yeah. the law. Like
1: that's what I imagine is that it's like, great. Like more white people with more empty words, just patting themselves on the back. Yeah. You know, guess what? I stood up and made a presentation and I acknowledged that I was on stolen land. Yeah. Will I, you know, donate my house and property to the <laughs> right. No, right. No, I think somebody else should donate somebody else's land, but I will acknowledge that I am on, stolen land
0: right right and it's so okay um, but even, then, how about this one how about this one because i i
1: know a frequent white response is that well i mean indigenous people were also fighting and oh, taking land yeah. from each other right
2: well, i don't that know argument i'm not
1: love this it. isn't my viewpoint but i hear it but a lot What's let's yeah. educate us on that point because okay i shouldn't say to an extent it is my viewpoint because i don't know any better so right. I just assume that you have this continent with a bunch of different people. And as far as I know about continents and groups of people, they fight. And so I'm guessing that before colonizers came, there were indigenous peoples who were fighting each other, probably enslaving each other, probably not being good to each other. Word. That's e- that's educated. Like what's, <laughs> yeah. Because well, there's well, no well, land that nobody took from somebody else, right? So yeah. Like, what's, the, I, what's the response to that?
2: I love that. So I get that brought up a lot, and you hear something very similar too from Black communities, like, "Well, they used to unsleep each other." It's like, "Ah, oh, that's not even what we're talking about." Um, so that argument is always to display some sort of bizarre sense of white guilt, because it's like, you know, they weren't that good anyway. They kind of, kind of deserved the colonization because they were being naughty to each other, mean to each other. Right. Um, excellent point. I wrote a paper in my undergrad on genocide and Indigenous people. Um, specifically in the Pacific islands and specifically North South America and Australia had tribal conflicts and had nation to nation conflicts and they would have war and the heinous things of war were committed, you know, violence, all that stuff. Um, But something that we were not interested in pretty much collectively can't speak on behalf of all of us, but pretty much all of us were not interested in total annihilation of anything else. Mm -hmm. So, Every now and then, because it is it is genetically beneficial for different people to have children. Like mm-hmm. the evidence of this is, uh, I don't really need to speak to that. It's don't obvious. inbreed. Yeah, yeah, God, yes, for the love of God, please don't. Um, so the concept of like total annihilation is a colonial. That's like, mm-hmm. that was like their, that was like yeah. their mission. So right. even though the indigenous people were fighting and like not getting along and there were even empires that would like, you know, control through fear and through human fr- sacrifice to get their people in line and do, you know, shady, shady things. um, They were never interested in total annihilation. They were never interested in what we would call the concept of genocide. And they also, not every empire, So I'm talking about two continents. So some, some empires did deforest some empires did do ecological damage, but for the large majority um, hunting and fishing was meant to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. So even in, even in times of war where they're like really out to get their enemy, there was always this sort of limit, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, because eliminating whole ethnic groups of people is not biologically beneficial to the environment, to the human species, human race. Um, as well as just, if you we think about people and all that they contribute, if you eliminate whole groups of people, you lose all of those things. So every now and then, different indigenous groups of people would like have a truce, like a truce, I said treaty and truce and the same thing, they'd have a truce. And like some of them would go marry each other and stuff like that, oh, well. Um, to like make it, to make their their nation stronger because mm-hmm. it would produce healthier children. Um so I think that's my argument and when people always bring that up I'm like ah, you know that's not really Do you know it, it, you know what it is you it, see through it you see that they're trying to like I want to feel less bad but right it's, it's a what about from every time
0: right yeah it, it's, it's like if Pol Pot was like well like Hitler killed all these people like what's the big you know why are that you getting guy? mad at me right like and and I, Bishop, I you, Bishop, necessarily... Bishop, 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 I have a few things to say. You have interrupted okay. me multiple times. And I have things in my head <laughs> that I need to get out, okay? Going all the way back to the conversation about land acknowledgements. Um, be, because, yeah, in Alberta, in all of Canada, it's like part of truth and reconciliation is what we call it in Canada. And, um, yeah, and it's, it's one of the steps that was outlined Um, And I believe, you know, this was set up working with indigenous peoples um, as something that can be done, right? Like the first step to repentance is like acknowledging you've done something wrong. And, uh, but yeah, it does feel like empty words a lot of the time. And a lot of the time it is people patting themselves on the back walking to the corner store with the candy they just stole and saying, I am really sorry about it, opening it up and eating it in front of the store owner that they just stole from. It's like, I am so sorry that I stole this. Like, I just want to acknowledge that that was wrong as as they're eating eating the candy uh, is, what it, is what it feels like, especially when it is just words. Uh, and I think a lot of the time it is. And people pat themselves on the back like, we solved racism. Look at us go. Like, we decolonized <laughs> so hard here. Like, we acknowledged that we colonized. Look at that. Wow. And, um, yeah, I, I forgot all the other things that I wanted to say. There was a long list. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was important to get I don't, I don't know if it's
1: out. a whataboutism. I think it so is. Much. I don't think Cause because it's, 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 it's okay. We want to get these lands back to who they originally belonged to. Did they originally belong to you? Oh wait, there was somebody on those lands before you as well, and who was on the lands before them? And if we follow this and continue following this train of thought, where does it
0: end? Humans as an invasive species, and we all go back to Africa. Uh, <laughs> I, yes. So no, I, I, have,
2: I have an answer yeah, for that. I have yeah. a direct, specific answer for that. There are territories throughout Canada and the United States that were laid out by Canadian and United States government. Has mm-hmm. accepted parts of these tribes' mm-hmm. lands, their treaties, and they were never eliminated, and that's mm-hmm. why Oklahoma won McGirt because the treaties never eliminated. So, us as like as a Cherokee person, we were forcibly removed from the territory of the Southeast United States, predominantly Georgia. We are not interested at this time. Hold your horses, we could be mm-hmm. t- of taking Georgia back. Right. We have whole parts of Oklahoma that was promised to us, designated to us. And thirty-seven other tribes in Oklahoma, we're all corralled here. Um, that's laid out specific. And Canada has the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's the land that we want back.
1: Uh, so it's it, lands it, it's, promised on treaty it's
2: it's been it's right. a, it is illegal. Provo- you can you can right. you can trace the laws back. So decolonization right. is not only a concept, but we have hard copies of yeah. the laws that have been violated. And so, as Indigenous people, especially uh, Oklahoma indigenous people, we, we lawyer up, we get lawyers and we, we use the systems, uh, that have been created against us for us. And so Mm -hmm. that's, that's what we say. We say land back. We're not trying to get out of hand where we're like, well, technically, you know, the Incan empire did stretch pretty far. And maybe we should, (laughs) that's not that we want to go by the specific, the specific tools that this government allowed us first off. You don't make treaties with people, that you're kicking their ass. Natives were kicking mm-hmm. colonialists ass, and they're like, we gotta uh, figure lies. Um that's what we want to get back to. So that's part right. of the land movement is all the land has been specifically legally laid out, border to border protocols were in place and mm-hmm. both governments were just like, ah eh, fuck it. So that's right. so that's that's your response. So, we don't want to no, keep going all the way back before when the Cherokees and the, you know, Creek would fight and we don't <laughs> and we'd fight that stuff. But we don't want to do that. We just wanna go know,
1: <laughs> Making sure the government, everybody's keeping what they previously yeah, agreed to, keep keeping their word. So because I think that's not what gets communicated, and that's what right. ends up getting misconstrued by, by Joe Blow, uh, white guy, like ignorant white man. Myself <laughs> is now. I don't like. I. I just. I'm. I'm representing a viewpoint of ignorant white people, right? I don't hardline any of these positions, but I'd say these are thoughts that I have, because a lack of one. Like education and into like everybody's busy. I can't be the campaigner for everybody's human rights. First, I got to put food on my own table. Step Word. two is try not to have a mental breakdown doing it, right? Yeah, <laughs> so,
2: that, that is the evil colonization, <laughs> right? There, though, there we go. The, right? the bump and grab, the work and the grind yeah. that we all have yeah. to do to base for basic needs. That is, yeah, look yeah. at you, you're a victim of colonization. Surprise!
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. I, what, what I think is interesting, there is this like real physical aspect to decolonizing, which is the legal like um, getting back lands that, that were stolen. Um, I, I've been reading a book. It's called uh, These Mountains Are, Are Sacred Places, I think. And it was written by a former chief of uh, the Stony peoples in, um, in Alberta, where I'm from. Um, and he talks about the misunderstanding uh, when these treaties were being signed uh, because they were written English and then they had translators. Mm-hmm. They were still like not totally familiar with each other. Didn't totally understand the language because all these different groups have different understanding of land use, oh, of land use rights of land ownership um, and like all of, all of these different aspects and legal uh, differences and uh, And so it gets pretty complicated, but then there's also like the the mental and the religious aspect of of colonialism, which of course the Catholic Church in Canada specifically has like a really awful, awful history with same thing with the Anglican Church in Canada um, and uh, Christianity in general. My first encounter with realizing um, the that aspect of colonialism was I was listening to a podcast I forget what it was called but if somebody tells me to listen to a podcast I'll put on at least one episode and um, that was there was a about Pacific people um, saying like hey um, this is a problem this this is an issue that uh, that people came here and said oh yeah your religion is wrong your culture is wrong your beliefs and your ideas about everything is wrong, um, and so I think a lot of decolonizing also has to happen in our ideas and the way that we think and the expectation that other people should think like us. Uh, we even see it in um, in specific industries and uh, professions uh, that it's like, why? Well, this is this is the way North American architects do it. You should do it the same way um yeah does that make does that make sense
2: no that that makes perfect sense um since we're low on time i wanted to speak to like spiritual decolonization for like a little tiny get it get it out there practice this part um so something that was really important for me to leave the church uh was i still had these spiritual experiences that had happened that seemed very authentic, not the forced ones where you know but seemed authentic and i realized that those spiritual experiences were all tied to connection Mm And I read a book. So, if there's any, if you're, if you're a native ex Mormon and you're listening, a really good book is called Healing the Soul Wound by Eduardo Durand. It's specifically for, you know, native sensitive therapy. And something that I really had to accept and realize is in my personal beliefs, you don't have to believe this, like literally can be the trash. Um, I don't care. But for me, I believe everything has a spirit. Mm-hmm. And the Mormon church really conditioned me that there's good spirits and there's bad spirits, there's evil spirits. The devil's out to get you. But in more ancient cultures and ancient religions all over the world, even in Europe, it was everything has a spirit and they're neither good nor bad. They just are. Mm -hmm. And if they don't get along with your spirit, there has to be some got to figure that out spiritually, not psychologically, not emotionally, not physically, but in like a really deep way. So I've had to completely decolonize the concept of the spirit and spirits. Mm -hmm. Um so when I feel when I feel called when I feel prompted when I feel something I believe that it is you know my own soul my own spirit in connection with my ancestors and my descendants so part of our culture for a lot of native people we believe everything we do affects seven generations in the future and seven generations in the past Um, and so when I think about like my Mormon experience and the times that I felt the spirit in a very natural way, it really just made me like more indigenous. So that's something that I think is really important. If you're trying to decolonize spiritually after leaving the church is like, just give up the fearful lie that like evil spirits are out to get you because you probably have a spirit of trauma from the church. (laughs) That is what's making you feel that way. There isn't literal, the devil's minions are out like that, this... Because that really was hard for me Um, because it took, like, a part of my culture, which is, you know, spirit, spirits, and, like, weaponized it to get me to not leave. So that was my little bit about decolonizing spiritually is the the binary of good or bad, you know, God, the devil. Ah, like, if you believe in spirits, if that's your jam, that has to be an exception that, like, not – like, some spirits are just vibing. They're just doing their business. They're not good or bad. They're just – Things just are. <laughs> that's, that makes sense. Thoughts on that? Sorry.
0: Yeah. No. I I really appreciate that um, because I I I think that's huge. And I think, I mean, decolonizing in general in the Americas is, is is a big issue, and in Australia it's a big issue. Honestly, all over the world, there's a big issue um, with you are you are different than me. You're other. You're not the way I like. Uh, you're you should assimilate into my culture. Whatever it is. Um, I think we have a we have a big cult, uh, big issue with that, and one thing you know after leaving Mormonism is that you have to deconstruct all these ideas and I say, keep going right keep deconstructing these ideas and figure out what is going to make you happy and for you, that is this this new type of spirituality for you and uh, and i 've even found um, my own form of spirituality and and i'm sure plenty of other other people have uh, as well um bishop is actually an ascetic monk um which is pretty cool uh <laughs> just kidding <laughs> he's sitting there in robes right now he's actually levitating one foot off the ground <laughs> uh very impressive stuff um but uh but yeah bishop do you want to give some closing thoughts because the call is going to r- wrap up soon yeah yeah um,
1: but- um i just like- the best experiences I've had decolonizing or, or just learning to be less ignorant is by having dialogues Mm -hmm. with people. And I think just being open and I know I've probably said some things that are uncomfortable, but I'm unapologetic about my own, whether it's ignorance or disagreement over the issue or, or how the issue, I'm just not apologetic about it because I just want to, here's all the things that I hear. And because these are all the things I hear, these are the things I think. And if you're telling me there's a better way to think, then tell me the better way to think because I'm just Joe Blow. Like I'm not an evil person. (laughs) And Well, that's what I think that's where the dialogue starts is that like I, I started working with some gay people. I start asking him questions about being a gay man. And there are very ignorant and embarrassing questions when I look back on it and I cringe. But by having that dialogue and being willing to just say, Just ask stupid and ignorant and maybe even invasive or offensive questions. I learned, and this is like might be a shocker, that gay people are just like me. They're not really what the church told me they were. And I had a professor who is Native American who got us to read Native American literature. And I was like, wow, they're just like me that, you know. And, and just by learning and working and interacting with all these different people from around the world, or even from within my own country, it's, wow, there really is no different. There's no difference. We're all, we're all people. We have thoughts and feelings and opinions. And, uh, and that's, that's what I've done to decolonize is to be unapologetic about my ignorance and to challenge my own thoughts by, by having dialogue.
2: I like that. I, I Appreciate that more than when well meaning white saviors, you know, talk over me about how to help indigenous people when I am one.
1: <laughs> right. And so I, what, nobody's trying to save me. Right. <laughs> and, and, and there are white people who suffer. Right. We're- and, and nobody's jumping up to try and fix my <laughs> problems or the problems of my race. So, why should I jump up to try and save? the problems of some other race because my great 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 grandfather is a dickhead 400 years ago i i didn't cause that problem yeah and and my group has its own problems to sort out so i'm going to work on those problems yeah and and you guys can tell me what you need and maybe we can work together and get to know each other better (laughs) great but i'm not going to tell other white people what they need to do to not offend (laughs) native americans like what kind? like i'm ignorant but i'm not that ignorant (laughs)
0: And I, 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 and I think something that we we can do is by realizing we're all people. We're all God's children here <laughs> on the earth. Um, no, it's heaven. And uh, Joseph Smith loves us very much. Oh Jesus! Uh, <laughs> but but seriously, um, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm glad we got uh, three parts out of this, and that um, legend, that you've legendary. Been, you've been able to. <laughs> To teach us and enlighten us because, yeah, uh, like with any podcast, this podcast is hosted by two white guys, right, <laughs> like from Canada. So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I guess I'll close in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen. Thanks for having me.